excited about coming to God's Word with you this morning. Last week, we finished our three-week uh, series. We talked about money and, and, um, and stewardship, and uh, we finished it up. And I, I listened to my sermon, <clears throat> and what I, what I got out of my sermon was I could hear my voice rising with this sense of it's not about money. It's about vision and dreams that God has put in us and then aligning all of our resources toward those dreams. Come on, that was worth the price of admission, don't you think? (laughs) Todd's clapping, thank you, Todd. It's not about money, it's about vision and dreams that God has put inside us and then aligning all of our resources toward fulfilling those dreams. And I want to follow up on this idea. We, and we have this, uh, th- that phrase from 1 Samuel where Jonathan's armor bearer says to Jonathan about dreaming. Remember, he said, you do all that you have in your heart to do. Go ahead, for here I am with you, heart and soul. You do everything that God has put in your heart to do. You go for it, because I'm going to be with you, heart and soul. And we talked about being all in, all together. Do everything that is in your heart. Well, I felt like I had to come back this week and say, how do we get in touch with the things that God has put in our hearts? How do we get in touch with our hearts? Because we got all kinds of pressing details in our lives and all kinds of feelings in our lives and all kinds of spikes in our moods in our lives. We have all kinds of stuff going on. But how is it that we actually can get in touch with the dreams that God has put in our hearts? I want to read a text about dreaming, and I want to parse it together, and I want to ask us this morning to reflect on what we think it is that God has put in here that needs to be lived and acted on. The text is from Psalm 126, so you can turn to it or we'll have it up on the screen as well. Psalm 126, starting in verse 1. Here's the word of the Lord. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we're filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When the Lord, verse 1, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. You may have in your NIV, there's other translations that say stuff like when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion or returned those who had their fortune in Zion, when the Lord brought back those who actually belonged there, or when the Lord brought back what had belonged in Zion, you hear the restoration of the Lord there, he says, we were like those who dreamed. See, what this was about was that they think if this is not exactly the situation, it was one like this situation that's being referred to in this text, when the Babylonian empire had come in, in like 580-something B.C., and had just wiped out the southern kingdom. Now I'm just teasing you because that's an invitation to my class right there. Because you're already lost, right? The Assyrians had already wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel in 722, I think. Now I'm just messing with you. That's so... 
This is what I'm talking about. This is all historical stuff that was going on. So the Assyrians had wiped out the northern kingdom. The Babylonians were going to come and they wiped out the southern kingdom, 586 BC. And all their, their brains and their brawn got taken off into slavery and into exile into, into Babylon. And the temple was crushed and the, and the fields were destroyed and all the fields laid fallow and they were stuck. And the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah spoke about how in 70 years I'll bring you back. But by the time they'd been there one and two and five and seven and 10 and 20 years, they had lost all their hope, right? But 70 years later, in fulfillment of what the Lord had said through the prophets, the Lord created a way for the exiles to be brought back into this devastated land. And when the Lord restored the fortunes, brought back the captives into Zion, it was like a dream come true. That's the text. What dreams has God put in your heart? What vision has God given you? That is the question for this morning. What things has he stirred in you that, you, that are beyond belief almost, that you couldn't dare to believe? What has God done inside you or is doing inside of you that we can say, you know, that's actually a dream from God, that's a vision from God, so that I can align my resources toward what God wants to do. That's where we're going this morning. What has he put in your heart? And it's imperative, friends, that we reflect on it. And it's imperative, I felt like after last week's sermon, that it was imperative that we reflect on it this week. Why is it imperative to reflect on what dreams God has put inside us? What stirrings, what vision he's given us? Why is it imperative? Because nothing significant ever happens unless the heart is involved. Everything that requires true change, true movement, true sacrifice, true conviction, all that stuff comes out of hearts, friends. Here's the reality. We've talked about it many times. People do what they want. Everybody does. And so if we're really going to get after the dreams that God is giving us and get after reaching the world with the love and the message of Jesus, then we have to have stuff in our hearts by which we're motivated and propelled toward that. You with me? So we had to say, so what's God put in my heart so I can align all my resources toward pulling it off? So it's time to be reflective. And the sad reality is many of us are un- unreflective, unattached, unaware of what's in our hearts. That is, that is true to some degree or another across the board for every one of us. The, the, the reality of our crazy, busy, full lives. This is why, by the way, God calls us to Sabbath and quiet and reflection so that we can actually stop for a minute and unplug because then he can begin to let us get in touch with what's really in our hearts. See, we don't have to be in touch with what's in our hearts because we're just running like banshees all over the place, aren't we? So we're all unattached. Our busyness makes makes us unattached to our hearts and, and unreflective. Just the duties and the responsibilities, even in our religious world, it's like, man, just get into church. I am like A plus Christian. That's all I got. I can barely get there. But since it's a discipline and I make it happen, <laughs> thank you. I'm in. That's good. That's all I can do. I mean, we just, we got so much going on that we get out of touch with what dreams and visions God's put inside of us so we can align our resources toward it. A lot of us don't trust our hearts. So we're not in touch with what's going on inside of us. 
A lot of us don't trust our hearts. We think if something comes out of our hearts, then all oh, that's sinful or from the flesh or it's, that's probably just me or that's selfish. And so we tend to do anything that feels good. We go, that can't be right because being a Christian must be about doing everything that, doesn't, that I hate. So that can't be good. So we get all stirred up about something and we're like, well, that's... But I think we just live unreflective lives. We're just not reflective enough. And as we know, the unexamined life it's not worth living. So calling us to reflect on what's in our hearts. So how do we get in? Oh, and oh, gosh, God, I put this in my notes because I, I wanted to say this. Because our destiny and our calling is in our hearts. That's the only place it lies. Our destiny and our calling for living for the kingdom of God is in our hearts. That's where it's born. That's where it comes out of. That's where it's we're sustained from. That's where God puts it. And so we got to get in touch with what's there. So how do we get in touch with our hearts? A couple things from just the first half and then the second half of this psalm. Number one, our hearts are full from what God has already done. How do we get in touch with our hearts? What's in our hearts? Well, we got to just, we can stop and look at what's already present in our hearts from all the stuff that God has already done. This is why all the worship songs and all the psalms and all the, half the sermons are always about, look what he's done for us. Michael started our worship gathering that way this morning because it's like, oh, right, God's been at work. He's done some stuff. And that's where these dreams are born is in the things that God has already done, the truths about God that we already know. See, because the truth is, friends, that, that uh, the stuff that's in our hearts, the stuff that's in our hearts to go forward, the dreams and visions for the next season often come right out of our story. I mean, just like, you don't have to be a highly paid expert psychiatrist to figure that out. They just, your dreams come right out of your story. Here's a, here's a small sort of simple uh, illustration. Our son, Tommy, who's in Seattle, is going to go work at Mount Hermon this summer. He's going to go be a camp counselor at uh, Ponderosa Camp at Mount Hermon. So he's going to work with junior high and high school kids. And somewhere along the line, he got this vision in him. He got this calling in him. He looked and said, man, I want to do that with my summer. So rather than a real paying job or rather than some sort of internship or rather than, you know, getting some classes out of the way so that we don't have to pay more schooling or whatever, he said, I want to go and I want to get with junior high and high school kids in a circle so that I can say to them, Jesus is real it's worth living for him. He will give you a destiny and a calling so you'll have impact on this world. Stick with him. Stay with him. Even though everybody else doesn't love Jesus in your world, it's worth it. And, you know, I mean, this is what my son wants to communicate to kids. Now, where did that vision and that dream come from? You guys, it came right out of his story. Because for 28 years... I have spoken at that camp one, one of the weeks out of the summer for a week, 28 years in a row. So Tommy was there in utero. <laughs> and then as a toddler running around and racing to the front and dancing with the camp band and with high school kids. And then at five years old, wanting to go down to the cabin with his favorite counselor and with the high school kids that he could hang out with. And then watching their games and watching decision night and watching kids on their faces worship and watching kids give their lives to Christ when he was 10 and 12 and then 14 and then every year in high school. And Well, here's a big surprise, friends. He has a vision for how he could impact kids at camp. 
You with me on this? Our story, our past, what God has already done, our hearts are full of it, and we just need to stop and take some time reflecting and go, what's already in my heart for what has happened in the past? I mean, you look at this text, the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. This is a look back in these verses one through three. The Lord restored the fortunes. The Lord did it. God was present. God was real. God was powerful. God's been at work. Friends, in your story, God has been at work, and we need to stop and reflect on that and go, right. That's right, this God-infused reality is true, right? How does that inform our vision going forward if we remember that it's been part of our story all along? Dang it, man, God is real. That changes everything in my reality. God was there, and God restored the fortunes of Zion, God's ministry of restoration. We've all experienced that in our story. That God has showed up and taken what was broken and mended it. That God has been a God of healing and a God of giving gifts and a God of giving back and a God of raising up the dead and a God of helping the lame walk. You know what I mean? You've been there, friends. You've seen it. You know the stories in your world of how God has taken what was broken and made it right. That informs our vision going forward. That informs, that's already in your heart. When you think about what's God put on my heart, part of it is he's been present, but he's also been restoring and he's a God who restores. Man, I love this story of Jamie going, there's, there's stuff that's not right here and these women have lost their dignity and lost their freedom and God wants to restore it back to them. I mean, then we start thinking in terms of restoration and we go, oh, I got all kinds of dreams and visions with restoration and I know that God's a God who does it. He restores stuff. I just reconnected with a, an old friend on Facebook this over the last two days, and he was a kid in, in an early, early, early ministry era of my life, and uh, he was the worst family situation. His, this kid grew up in the worst family situation of anybody I've ever known since. I mean, I mean, this is like my first year in youth ministry, too, and I'm like, I mean, the worst. I never gave that guy a chance. Well, I just connected to him. Facebook stalked him. <laughs> Loving Jesus. First picture, or just changed his profile picture, and it's them holding their fifth baby. Been married 15 years, living for the Lord. He had the worst parents ever allowed to live. And he's going, yeah, well, let me restore that. I'm going to have five babies and a great marriage and live for Jesus. Every one of us have some piece of that in our story, don't we? Where we've taken some part of our story, seen God restore it and heal us and touch us and give us life. That's in us. That exists, friends. And we can move forward in it. How do we know what God's put in our hearts while well, our hearts are full of what he's done, his presence, his, his restoration, and, and so much so that we've had the experience like them, that, that it was like a dream come true. We, we just have to look back at our lives, friends, and we forget, but we can look back at our lives and we can go, man, there have been moments where God has showed up for me and I could hardly believe it. I couldn't even believe it. It was so good. I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then the other shoe did drop somewhere somehow, right? And now you've forgotten some of those times but that's already in you. It's in you that God is present. It's in you that God has restored you. It's in you that God makes dreams come true. It's in you that he brings joy and laughter to our mouths. It's in you that then out of your life, the world goes, holy Toledo, man. God, what's the text say in verse, in verse 
two and a half, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. We've got that in our story. It sounds like this, though, in the world usually, somebody up there must like you. <laughs> yes, I'm a chosen and delivered child of the king. <laughs> so there, we have this in our story. Our hearts are full already with what he has done. So as we start to think about, well, what's in my heart for now? small and big? What dreams and visions do I have that I think God's put in there that I should be aligning all of my resources with? We have to reflect on all that's already in our hearts, all that he's done, presence, power, fulfilling dreams, joy, your gratitude, and the witness, the testimony that God has been at work. That's all there. We got to stop and remember it because it propels us forward. By the way, and I have to tell you this, we have to ask this. The truth is, some of us may not have experienced any of that presence and power, transformation, joy, gratitude, worship, witness. And it may simply be because you've come alongside Jesus or you're fresh and new to this Jesus thing, but you've never taken the step of faith that's required to begin a relationship with God where that can happen. And that is just the simple good news that we can say yes to the gift of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus. And, and, and that, some of us, just, I just wanted to pause for a minute and say, you know, if you're coming along, coming along, coming along, that you haven't heard that or haven't understood that, this, this working of God in our lives and this infusing our hearts with his love and vision starts with this first step of rescue and forgiveness and entering into relationship with Jesus. And that step of faith is beca called becoming a Christian or called being born again or called... Be, uh, Lots of terms for it. But it's where you go, oh, I've been hanging around him, but now I want to give him my life, and I want him in my life, and I receive his gift of salvation. I pause because if some of you were like, thank you, I haven't heard that, I didn't know how to do that, and some of you maybe even today just a little applause for the gospel, yeah, thank you. <laughs> if that resonated with you and you're like, yeah, I've never done that, and right there you're like, but that's what I want, then right there you you just gave your life to Jesus. So it's simple as that. But our hearts are full with what he has done, and some of you maybe just started that journey this very moment. But what we're really looking at is not only what has he done in the past that it's already in our hearts, but what is he doing in our hearts now? Our hearts are broken for what's not yet. That's where the calling is. Do you see the words? Our hearts are broken with what is not yet, what has not happened yet, what, what needs are out there, what, what I can see happening for my life, and, and yet it's not happened yet. This is what we want to be reflective about for the remainder of our time, and we want you to get in this, this place of saying, so what, what is in my heart that is not yet in the world? These are the yearnings and the longings for, that you can see beyond now to what's out there, to what could happen. That's called vision. Our, our daughter, Brooke, is, um, did she resign publicly? Because this is on the internet. She's changing jobs. And maybe her boss has just found out. I don't know. She's going to move to Austin, Texas, and she's going to be involved with a ministry called the If Gathering. And it is a group of young Christian women leaders 
whose mission is to, what did I think I wrote it down, to equip and unleash the next generation of women to fully live out their purpose. My daughter, Brooke, looks at the world. She's got a heart for ministry, and she looks at the world and realizes that even in today's day and age, we have not empowered women to be the creatures that God wants them to be. And she says, that's not yet happened, and it's in the heart of God. And so she's moving to Texas to be around a bunch of women who are committed to this. It's vision. It's what is in here. It's stuff that hasn't happened yet. And when you look at the text, you start to see all kinds of things that are going on in this text. You see that they're, they see restoration, that, that more restoration is needed. Look at verse 4. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Restore our fortunes. You, in verse 1, you, you brought fortunes back. You restored fortunes. But in verse 4, it's now more, God. There's more to be done. I mean, you got to remember this experience of joy where they were brought back into the land had to be balanced with the harsh reality of real life. Come on, anybody resonate with that? And they came into a land where everything was devastated and all the buildings were rubble and the temple no longer existed and the religious life was in chaos and had no order to it anymore and uh, the fields were laid fallow and it was a mess. And so they come in, they've got this fulfillment, the Lord brought us back, it was like a dream come true. But Lord... More restoration. you got to do more, God. More of you. More of your power. More of your transformation. Come on, God. We need more. That's what we're talking about here. Our hearts are broken over what is not yet. God, there's more to be done. There's more restoration. And we can see in that place. God's put it in us. We can see in that place where God has been absent, right? That's where God's at work in you. Where you could see where God's been absent, where you say in your super honest, like, it's like the Negev in the text, restore our fortunes like streams in the desert. The Negev was a desert. Come bring life to what is barren and desolate and dead and lost and that there's no hope. God, come bring. You may have in your heart a sense of stirring where you see clearly where God hasn't worked and you're telling him about it. That's the honest prayer life where you say, God, come on. How have you not? Where have you been? How come? What the heck, God? What are you doing? That stuff, that place, you think that's the least spiritual part of you, don't you? Because you think, oh, I'm not on God's page and I'm being all disrespectful and I'm not going to talk to you, God, for a week because I just can't see that you've done this. You think that makes you unspiritual. My friends, I think that makes you, that's the most spiritual place that you have because inside of you, you've said, this shall not be. God, you've put in my heart something that is not yet and it should be. Those places are where God is at work in you. Those yearnings, that's God at work. And not only can you see where he's been absent, but listen, you see where he could change it in an instant. And you can see that. And not everybody else can see that. You guys, there's so much going on in our world where I just look at those problems, or I look at those situations, like this friend I just reconnected with on Facebook, and I'm like, there's no hope for you. I'm going to visit you in jail is what's going to happen. That's how this story is going to unfold. 
There's so many places in this world where I can't understand how God could come through and what it would look like. But you could see, you can see it. You can say, man, if God just came a little bit, this is the kind of restoration we'd see, the kind that happened already in my life. This is the kind of power we'd see, the kind that's already happened in my life. This is the, the work that we could see, the dreams that we could see coming true, just like dreams have happened in my life. This is the shouts of joy that would come out of people, God, when you just show up a little bit like the shouts of joy that have come out of my life. You can see how it would change in an instant. The text says, restore more God, like streams in the desert, like streams in the Negev. You know what streams in the desert are like? It never rains in the desert, but every once in a while when it does rain, even if it rains a little bit, it's a flash flood, right? You know what I'm talking about? The water starts collecting and running down the crevices and and they just start, and everything in its way gets blown out. You can see that. Those places where you have vision, faith for what God could do if he showed up, that's God working in your heart. And you may know that it's a little unique because you share with people around you that vision and they go, "Ah, that's never going to happen. Right? But you're like, oh no, I can see it. Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. Our hearts are broken over what's not yet. And, and that's those last couple verses about we sow in tears. You want to know what, what God's doing in your heart, what your, what your dreams and visions are? What are the things that bring you to tears? Or near tears if you're super macho man. What are the things that break your heart? I love that Jamie used that, that phrase. I prayed that God would break my heart with the things that break his heart. And the scripture says they sow in tears, but they'll reap in joy. They carry their seed out weeping. You know why they carried their seed out weeping? Because they recognized that this was what they had to offer. And they believed that God had called them to make a life in this land and that God would bless it. But this seed was all they had. And if they buried it into the ground and it died and they just had to stare at it buried under dirt, that maybe God wasn't going to come through. And it's all they had. And if the crop didn't come up, and if it didn't produce enough crop to feed them that year and to produce enough seed for the next year, they were done. They sowed in tears, tears of grief. These things should not be. Tears of fear. Oh, God, you've got to come through. Tears of sacrifice. This is all that I have. I mean, I'm all in. And it's got to come up. What stuff causes your heart to break that it shouldn't be? And if you invested in it, dear God, you got to come through. And you invest in it so you would invest in it so far that you got no plan B. That's God at work in your heart. Michael, come up here and lead us toward our worship time of response. But our message this morning is, i got to reflect on what's in my heart so I can align all my resources toward it. And I'm telling you, what's in your heart, if you stop and reflect, is all the stuff God's done already in your journey. His power, his presence, the dreams, the gratitude, the worship, the, the testimony. He's done stuff. That's the beginning of it. And then it's also things that break your heart. 
the things that God has put on your heart for what's not yet, the things that you can see that more of God is needed, the places you can see where he hasn't shown up, the place where you can see what could happen if God just gave a nod, and the places where the tears come. I mean, the desperation of I can't stand that this is not yet. And I'm desperate for you, God, to do something in it. And I'm so all in that I got no other plan. We want you to live lives of epic destiny. I'm sorry, did that sound like an overstatement? Lives filled with the dreams that God has given. And I believe if we reflect, he'll help us understand what those are so that we can align all of our resources toward their fulfillment. Let's respond, reflect, and worship for the last part of our worship gathering today.